Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fountain Pen and Stationery Season Two, Episode Ten. I am your host, Frank, and I'm Collins. That was an interesting sing-songy way of introducing the episode. Uh, yeah, I figure I'll uh, <laughs> change things up a little bit instead of the typical monotone. Uh, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, Collins, how are you doing lately? I am doing pretty well. Uh, we just finished the uh, second quarter of 2021, so I was able to do my quarterly analysis journal. Um, and I can tell you kind of a funny story that happened. Oh. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I went through my normal pen cleaning cycle, and I decided to use um, the Sailor uh, Permanent Ink. Let's see. Uh, uh, the the Sailor Kiwaguro ink. It's the water-resistant mm-hmm. ink. The pigment one? Um, yeah. And I was just writing. I was just journaling. And then after a certain point, as I was writing, my wife just kind of hovers around, just kind of like walks by. And I was like, why does this smell so bad? I'm like, what? What do you mean it smells so bad? And I hold up my pen. I was like, your pen, it smells awful. I'm like, oh, it's the Sailor ink. So she smells it. Yeah. Interesting. But she's not that thought, far away. I mean, it's not that strong. I mean, to be honest, it kind of is. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's it's strong enough that like, you know, she wasn't like that far away. She was like just right behind me. And like I've written a, basically a full page with this ink. It takes a little bit longer to dry. It's got a pretty strong smell. And if you're not like I'm used to it by now. I actually kind of like the smell, but she does not like it. Mm. <laughs> well, that's the uh, the smell of the herbicide, man. Yeah, that's that's just what it smells like. Yep. No other thing in USA or European smells like it. Well, because it can't use it anymore. But yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, it is what it is, and well, now you know immediately <laughs> what kind of ink you have in there once you uncap it, basically. Yeah, and it's kind of the only smelly ink. Actually, now that I think about it, what if I used the sailor ink in a noodler's Ahab. I wonder what it would smell like. Uh, well, I would suggest you to put it uh, next to her, uh, next to her bed before you go to sleep, and see how she complained the next day morning. Oh, you know what? That kind of reminds me. Since you since you just moved into a new house, I should like drop some noodler's Ahabs around your house and just see what happens. Oh, that's lovely, lovely. <laughs> next time you invite me over to your place. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess security camera on you. I huh? track every <laughs> footstep. There you go. Oh man. How about you, man? Um, I'm doing all right. I mean, uh, sorting a little bit things out here and there. I'm not sure why, but a little bit tired lately. But other than that, I'm doing fine. Yeah, the world's opening up. Like, there's people can actually go outside and eat semi inside restaurants now. So, I think opening up has gotten me a lot more tired too. Really. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's pretty much the same thing because I've been working at work for, shoot, what, last year, May? So mm-hmm. nothing really changed for me. Just, I don't know, this this month has been really tiring for some reason. Maybe the mid-year slump. Yeah, mid-year slump maybe, or just, uh, I don't know, maybe running shit in the attic for an hour or two during midsummer is not a good idea. Or it's just age, man. Like, you know? Not getting I any refuse younger. to believe it. 
Yeah. Not getting any younger. Yeah, I know. We'll see what happens. Anyway, so talk about opening up. Collins, to my understanding, you are returning to work sometime soon, right? Sometime in September. So are you preparing or have you think about what you need to bring back with your new uh, kind of work uh, work situation? Actually, I don't know because, uh, I mean, at least for now, the work situation and what the office is going to look like once we go back in is a little uncertain. Um, so I'm not even sure how much stuff I even want to bring back to the office. I actually might keep it pretty clean. Because you're not even sure you have your own desk, right? I, I'm pretty sure I'll have my own desk, but it's more like oh, okay. after this point, yeah, there there was some debate about whether people were going to do like hot desking where people have to, uh, 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 you know, sign up for like a, a spot for that day and then get that spot. Like we're not going to, as far as I know, we're not going to do that, but. Um, no, that's good. What? I, yeah, yeah. But I'm still not sure. I think at least for the first month when I'm back, I'll likely keep the desk pretty minimal just because, you know. I don't want to have to deal with this in case in case the Delta variant becomes more serious than we thought. I don't want to have to deal with this again. <laughs> well, the last time you moved was, uh, well, you need to go pick it up a couple of months ago? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you basically just unpacked from your office and now you have to, uh, in a sense, move back in again. Yep, basically. So what, do you plan to bring like a f- certain pens, fountain pens there or just nothing at all? My my thing was always I never leave fountain pens in the office. At least for me, I never did that. I always brought them to and from because, um, like if I left them in the office, it's possible that I forget I have an ink a pen inked up in the office, and then it could dry up, and now I have to maintain it and like unclog it for some reason. I'd rather just carry it with me so that I have it. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a different way to look at things. Yeah. Yeah, How about hopefully. you? I mean, granted, you've already been in the office, but like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, for me, I mean, like I say, nothing really much changed. But then lately, I am considering bringing in my briefcase slash messenger bag again uh, because uh, I guess uh, my mother finally be slightly less freaked out about uh, COVID uh, since we vaccinated and everyone seems to be easing in. So mm-hmm. she's not that much against bringing stuff to the office and take it back. So I can finally have. Oh. I'm pretty sure she's. I can get away with uh, having a messenger back without her freaking out. So um, what I'm planning to do is probably cutting a little bit, uh, cutting out the notebooks that I used to carry between office. Mm-hmm. Um, because what I realized is that all almost all the crap that I jot down during office time that I want to bring back home, they all kind of need to be uh, reorganized because they are just really sloppy stuff. And uh, if I go back to it after a couple weeks, months, years, I probably won't recognize them. Right. So I start to rewrite them anyway. So now it just, I think um, I will be using notepads and uh, like terrible notepads and notebooks mostly at work. And if I need to bring any data back home, any journal, just strip all the pages, stuff in the back and uh, reorganize it, rewrite it at home. Yeah. So you're restructuring how you're going to be doing your paper 
paper handling paper trail, from basically. office to home. Yeah. Yeah. So no longer, uh, which is a shame because like, I mean, I spend all these money or time looking into, uh, uh, notebook covers and stuff, but now mm-hmm. I don't technically really use it or need it anymore. So there's that. And, uh, I don't think I'm going to be carrying fountain pen around as well, at least not on a regular basis because, uh, I have enough pens right now that is already inked on both sides. And, uh, I what I used to do is I used to have only three or four pens inked up and I always carry them around. Mm-hmm. Um, the last year basically got me used to just using all different kinds of pens, and I, I think it's actually a nicer setup because um, as my company gets a little bigger and there, there's more and more people running around, you have more interim and more newer people coming in, so. And sometimes the intern only stays there for a couple months. So it's probably best if I sort things out, like leave the, uh, not saying I don't trust them, but until I know them, I don't like to leave stuff outside. So sure. um, the cheaper pens, the cheaper fountain pens is leaving at my work. And nice thing is that since they are the less valuable version, I can technically <laughs> just leave them on the desk without having to clean them up or store them every single day. Right. So you don't have to like worry about, you know, using your Nakaya at work and then leaving it on your desk and Correct. then suddenly someone goes and takes it, right? Yeah, where someone just borrowed it and ruined it. I think the right. uh, the worst part is someone borrowing it and you kill the tip and stuff. It's surprising to me. I mean, this is kind of going off topic, but it's surprising to me how strong people push down on the nib of a ballpoint pen sometimes. Like some people really like stab the paper with it. Well, I mean, okay, I'll be completely honest with you because um, of a ballpoint pen sucked. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and uh, for them to have ink coming out, a lot of it requires a really strong force for some mm-hmm. reason. Like, okay, actually, it's no, like blockage correction. Or I mean, let me correct myself. Typical ballpoint pen when they are new is not that bad. Right. However, once you drop it, it becomes a terrible, <laughs> terrible writing experience. Right, because the ball people, either gets bent in the nib or like there's just some kind of like blockage that keeps yeah, the ink from Yeah, it just somehow gets stuck. And uh, most people, instead of changing on the pen, they just keep using it. Right. So they require more force, require more force. And uh, once you write it, everything looks, um, yeah, you, you, you just dent the crap <laughs> out of your paper. But yeah, yeah that's what people get used to it, so... Mm-hmm. There's that, and so that's why, like, when you give, like, when you let, when you immediately let someone borrow a fountain pen who's never used one, you can see how strong they're pushing on that paper. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Someone used the one, so I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> uh, that's the Eco Twisty 1.5 steel tip. So there's a lot of metal behind it. I should be fine. I should be fine. Yeah, actually, that's that's probably a good way of doing it. <laughs> a, 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 if you are thinking about letting a friend try a fountain maybe a stub nib isn't a bad place to start they can't yeah. really ruin it yeah you get like a full steel stub nib it's like oh oh yeah this is just a stub nib it's fine yeah 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 it's so it's already blunted it's already blunted it has a lot it, it, it's stainless steel with a much wider tip than a normal pen so more mm-hmm. <laughs> yes more structure support you'll handle more yeah. abuse than normal yeah 
But I guess that makes sense. In terms of your office situation, you have a lot of new people coming in. Who knows if they're trustworthy or not? Maybe you leave a desk, uh, you leave a pen on your desk, and it's not yeah. even trustworthiness, honestly, because I'm pretty sure most people want to keep their job. I mean, I, I, I mean, we we work in rather um, the salary white is, collar jobs. Yeah, white collar jobs. Salary is decent. So I mean, theft is pretty much you don't go around steal stuff. You want to keep your job, basically. <laughs> Depends but, on the company, but sure. Yeah. Depends on company, I guess. Um, but the more concerning is whether they know that I use rather expensive fountain pens at times and uh, mm-hmm. whether they have the courtesy to not screw around with my stuff, specifically one person in my company. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you have a vendetta against someone, he who should not be named, but you know. Yes. Uh, hmm. Yeah, let's just say that he cannot keep his hands off of other people's stuff. So, um, uh, not in a steel sense, just he has no personal boundary. Right, right. Um, There's just like a, a social cue that this person just didn't pick up on or hasn't doesn't learned. Get, he just has none and doesn't get it. But right. otherwise, it's fine. Um, so, the, I'm pretty much uh, letting go fountain pens in my backpack. But I, what I did recently was I was testing out what kind of other pen I want to carry. Mm-hmm. So, as, this, as I told you, I have a, like a short, chubby, tactile pen um, that uses the Mini G, uh, G2. Yeah, that's Pilot G2. Mm-hmm. Um, but the issue I ran with that is, it is okay. A Pilot G2 is not waterproof, nor is it... Uh, and uh, nor it is permanent. Mm-hmm. So I want to have something that is more permanent than the G two. I mean, G two is always clip on my pocket, so I always have access to it. Yeah. But uh, in case I need something more permanent, I need to find another pen to write with. So obviously, you just get like per- a thin sharpie. You would think so, but uh, from my experience, uh, sharpie actually permanent marker sharpie is not permanent. Huh. I've uh, never tested it, but like, really? Yeah, I use them to write. Um, they degrade. Okay, they degrade really fast with heat and uh, UV. Hmm. So remember the uh, the geek out the the little tiny USB DAC that I have. I think you maybe you have it too. I'm not sure. Is that the uh, um oh you're talking about the 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 audio the USB audio amp? Yes. Yeah. That runs super hot. Yeah, that thing's like a that thing can like and heat up your hand poss- pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, can possibly burn somebody if they're not paying attention. But uh um the label on that thing fell off. The the kind of rubbed off after a while. So Ooh. I used permanent marker to write it back. Mm-hmm. And to make sure that I don't rub it off again. I actually put tape over it. Oh, okay. Okay, so I'm very sure it was not physically removed. However, right, it didn't just rub off. Yeah, it didn't just rub off. But however, after like another like four months or so usage at work, the permanent marker is almost impossible to see. Huh. You can you can probably see this on your car too if they have a mileage sticker on your car. Hmm. That mileage sticker, if it's, used, if it's written using permanent, permanent marker, it actually uh, fades over time. Right. 
I have to yeah. check it again. But yeah, they do fade over time, I guess. I they was thinking it was time, just yeah. kind of rubbing off. but No, 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 no. Yeah. They fade. They actually break down their UV pretty easily. They have a special edition nowadays that has formulated against UV. <laughs> but generally, they are not UV proofed. And at the same time, they bleed like crazy on normal paper. They do. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so I don't like that. And I am. So that's one out. Ideally, that would be the perfect one because my work buys a lot of that for us to mm-hmm. use for surveys and stuff, but uh, not, nothing's out. Remind me, how permanent do you really need this ink to be? Like, what are you doing with it? Uh, if I need to sign checks, sign anything permanent, anything that I don't want to get water on. and uh, if, if you're if, signing checks, wouldn't a regular ballpoint pen would just work fine? Um, regular ballpoint pen is actually not waterproof. Yeah, I know, but like it does leave like, you know, a thing like a like a trail on it, right? So it like, like kind it's kind of it's like kind it, of, but you can't like wash that off. Yeah, you see, that's what I try to do. Get to that. I try to get a Uni Jetstream, I believe. That is the uh, Uni ball pan with the uh, the Jetstream set supposed to be pigmented gel pen. Mm-hmm. Ideally, that's great, right? Uh, turns out that for some reason, on the checks that I used, it it has issues. It it skips. Hmm. It does not skip on the one paper. It does not skip on the more expensive paper. But it skips on the check, and it specifically it skips on clear fountain paper as well. <laughs> okay, that's weird. So I know. So I think the issue is it, it doesn't write too well when the when the surface is way too smooth. Hmm. Or treated either smooth or treated. So after playing around with it for a couple of days, I I gave on that. And then the last thing I ordered recently was the uh, mm, the uh, Sakura pigment pick mug pen. That looks really similar to a Sharpie, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Similar tip as well. But this one is pigmented, archivable grade, and they don't really bleed through. So it's almost perfect for pretty much running anything you want to be permanent. And I mean, it's, um, I, I tested out before because the, uh, model building, Gundam building, used that marker as like oh, a wow. liner. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so I have that before. I use it to write checks on any time when I can't find a pen to use. So I, I know how it is, and I, I just ordered a pack of six. That is like zero point six, zero point. It's weird. It has some weird sizing. I think it's a O five, <laughs> but the tip is zero point four five millimeter. Wow. All right. I don't understand why it's zero point four five, but <laughs> maybe they just they just made it, and then it was like, well, actually, it's not actually point five. It's actually Point four five. Well, all right, fine. I have no idea, but yeah, that's other pack of six for like ten bucks, and uh, I could just shove one in my bag, shove one in my car, and leave a few in my desk, and uh, I have permanent pen whenever I need it. Yeah. Yep. So that's probably what I'm gonna do is just um. So like on my carrying mech package uh, on my messenger bag. To, uh, surprisingly, I'm probably getting rid of most of the fountain pens from the 
those bags. They're going to be used exclusively for my house and the office only now. I was like, huh, are you going to like, or is this, you're turning in your badge for fountain pens now? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're still used daily. It's just they're not, they're not being actively carrying with me right. all the time anymore. So we'll, call, we'll start calling this the permanent pen and stationary podcast. Yes, yes, the uh, the Sharpie and Stationary Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, other than that, do you, like, for you, though, like, I'm just curious, for your style of work from home where just go to work every day, what do you bring with you, typically? Uh, my work laptop, um, and I just bring a, my pens... I used to bring my work journal, but I just leave that at work now. But um, yeah, that's basically it. And I mean, I don't really need to bring anything, but I just do. So just pen and work journal, and that's it. Yeah, basically. Well, that's pretty tight. I mean, that's the thing about like when you work in uh, uh, software engineering, right? Like, you don't really need to bring anything, but you just kind of do, just because I'm kind of used to it. Like, but I don't have to bring anything. Mm, okay so everything else is kind of provided already and honestly like even well it's kind of different when you're in software engineering you do like use some form of like drawing but typically it's on a whiteboard if you're trying to design something Mm -hmm. Um, but i like using pen and paper just because this is the hobby i chose to be involved in right so um that's what i use but do i need to bring that back from work to home no i don't need to i just want to make sure my pens are safe Okay. Yeah. And I do my journaling hobby thing. So by all means, you kind of like, you pack pretty light, basically. from Very light. Okay. Yeah. To be honest, I kind of forgot what I brought to work because it's been almost two years now. I don't know. (laughs) But I remember I brought a pretty thin backpack. It wasn't very heavy. All right. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm on the... I want to say on the opposite end, but I do carry a little bit more typically is uh, the uh, tablet slash pen, Apple pen for the uh, iPad. Mm-hmm. And um, used to be notebook, no notebook is longer, pen that is on me all the time. I think the most thing that I miss carrying and the reason why I want to get a messenger, why I want to get back my messenger back instead of just using my sleeve is my little medicine pouch your medicine pouch what's in that <laughs> well it is a uh, it, it came from like the kind of the edc kind of the side of a hobby but uh, let me open it up I, I forgot i ripped this uh. this is where frank talks about his drug use oh yeah 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 so <laughs> his in the pouch quote unquote is, medicine pouch yes medicine pouch mm, med, meds <laughs> that's, that's all my meds <laughs> So you have a uh, cut-to-half Q-tip that's fit into little... Uh, all these are fitting into like little uh, Ugen pill cases, by the way. So they're easy to store, easy to carry. So like, you have two set... You have two acetaminophen, 500 milligram each. You have like some uh, Advil, the smaller blue pill version. And you have the... Um, oh, wow. I just realized they're almost all empty. Hey, I need to refill them. You have some Benadryl, you have some uh, Claritin, 
So basically, um, you're it's literally a medicinal pouch for yourself that you want to carry. Yeah, and you have some kind of a ointment to uh, to make sure when you get uh, bite by bugs, and then you have a little uh, freezer and uh, mm-hmm. just things just in case. And honestly, it gets kind of annoying when uh, I'm out about where I have office and uh, I do need them. I couldn't find them with me. Typically, I mean, I'm, I'm saying this just because I know that most offices do have these. It might be some kind of legal thing, but most uh, offices have some kind of medicine cabinet that they need to keep stocked. Um, yes, but then uh, <laughs> our medicine cabinet is right above a, a coffee making machine, so that thing uh-huh. always heats up. So uh-huh. I'm not so you- sure how effective that medicines are. Sure. And at the same time, they don't have the right types I need. Like uh, the allergy medicine is almost always empty. Uh, well, they, they have one, but they, they the, the, the type changes. Okay. And then I, I would like to have Benadryl and Claritin because the Claritin is for long-term and Benadryl is immediate. Mm. It depends on the allergy type that I have, whether it's, I know it's from the, uh, from the air around sometimes or just rather it is i just touched something allergic to so i need a <laughs> benadryl like pretty much fast acting ones so you need the side bag now to carry the proper uh medication for your needs yes i mean kind of can get away with just a, a tiny sling bag but uh, i don't have a sling bag with me right now so out of curiosity. so this is something that i've actually moved away from so i i uh, I'm a photographer. I take a lot of pictures, but I stopped using side bags because of the asymmetrical weight that they put on your back and spine. So I've gone from using side bags exclusively to almost always using a backpack now. Mm. I use a really thin backpack. It's like a super tiny thin backpack. Um, Oh, shoot. I forgot what company that makes it. This company actually also makes notebooks, which I really like. But it's a super thin backpack. It might only be like an inch and a half thick all like through the entire height of the backpack. But I love it because of how thin it is. Okay. That's like the opposite of the one I use for a backpack. But (laughs) 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 that thing sounds like, what, three pounds maybe? Oh, God. No, but like, I mean, for me, is <clears throat> I don't think that was ever a concern for me, to be honest with you. The the asymmetrical weight? Yeah, I, um, um, some people think that it is, I, I can see why some people think they are concerned about it. Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, I do archery. Oh, uh, well, The yeah, load that's... is absolutely not symmetrical. Sure. And uh, for most people in modern worlds... Nothing ever happened to them? Well, I can tell you, after doing wedding photography for a period of time and always carrying, like, ab- above five pounds on one shoulder, mm-hmm. it did affect me. It did affect you. Okay. Did you actually yes. ever switch them around, or do you use only one shoulder? I, I swap it around on the, uh, at like, the half day, but eventually it just becomes, like, painful. So ever since then, I just kind of stopped doing it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I understand really cameras are heavy. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so cameras are heavy and on the second hand, you also use this leather straps if I recall correctly. 
uh, there's a leather uh, comfort strap, but then the strap itself is like a like a seatbelt type material. Yeah. So like, do they actually cushion you or absorb the shocks around, or they're just like a large suspension strap that doesn't really that transfer all the shocks to your shoulder directly? I'm pretty sure it transfers all of the shock to my shoulder directly. Yeah, that's probably one of the reasons, to be honest with you. I don't think this is a metric load. More or less, it's just the discomfort from your five-pound camera swinging around, tugging on your shoulder bone. That's possibly it. But, I mean, the backpack <laughs> does it fine. Uh, the backpack distributes the weight properly. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just don't like the... Um, breathableness, in a sense, for the backpack. Yeah. Yeah, like, I can have backpack, but, like, typically when I'm using it, I don't even wear it. I, I just kind of manhandle Sling it. Sling it to one side. <laughs> yeah, single-handle <laughs> it. Not to one side. I don't like, uh, for backpack, that has two sides. I don't like to wear it on one side, but I typically just use the hand strap. Yeah. But, I mean, that's. I'm just saying that that's for me. That's what happened because I was always using a side bag that was at least five pounds or, I don't know, however many... Yeah, I don't think cameras ever... and lenses I was using. So it may be a very different situation then, I would say, because mine is it's also not it's, it's also full leather, so it's pretty uh, it transfer the weight directly. But at the same time, mm -hmm. I don't use I don't wear them that long compared to you. Uh, you go around doing weather photography for like an entire day, well at least half a day. Yeah, I just wear. Yeah, it like for it's a like, full day thing. Yeah, I, I just use it for like maybe 20 minutes a day. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, more like 10 minutes a day. The rest of the time <laughs> is more like it's just sitting there for me to grab stuff. Yeah, in that case, that's totally fine. Yeah, so for that, uh, it doesn't really matter that much. Unless I go to get in the convention. Okay, yeah, actually, yeah, now you talk about it. Uh, one convention with a messenger bag was not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it just depends what you're doing and how long you're doing it for. So yeah, I think the the duration is more important than the style, honestly. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I have bought a uh, little roller once. A roller bag? Yes, like an airport roller bag in participation. <sighs> you know, Frank, I remember. You know, the kids, I remember like we were probably in like middle school or something or mm -hmm. elementary school when the, the, the roller backpack became a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are good for the kids' backs, but man, did kids with roller backpacks get kicked a lot. <laughs> well, that's when you kick back. Sure. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Kids are dicks. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, <laughs> depends on the parents, I would say. Depends on the sure, parents. Sure, of course, yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's it for uh, Office. Do you have anything I want to add or want to move to our next topic? Yeah, let's move on because in terms of, like, Office uh, stationary optimization, um, I haven't been in the office to really know and give an opinion anymore. <laughs> Although game too long, huh? Yeah, I mean, just been at home. I've just been at home, and I've fairly well optimized my at-home uh, uh, space. And I, you know, honestly, for working at home for as long as I have, I quite enjoy it. Yeah. Well, it's going to be, what, two days for you? Two days, uh, no, three days work from home, two days going back nowadays? 
Yes, it should be two days in the office, three days, uh, th- three days in the office, two days at home. So oh, I'll I get a little mix. Two days in the uh, that's two days in the uh, office and three days at home. No, reversed. Uh, but oh, I mean that's man. good enough, right? But you know. Well, this is still two weeks, uh, two days out of the week that you don't have to leave your home, so you don't have to freshen up. Really, you don't have to freshen up at all. <laughs> well, I still freshen up, but I don't have to drive. The commute is the problem. I mean, it's not that far. It's not, but it's still like let's say you have a twenty-minute commute, right? Uh-huh. That's forty minutes of driving, and then ten minutes, five to ten minutes either way, just to like pick up and like go to your car and like pack up, right? So that's like an hour just gone, just okay. to go into the office. So yeah, you save a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And that's if you have a twenty-minute commute, which most people have like a thirty to an hour commute. Yeah, I know. I can't do it. Like, I honestly cannot. I can drive for up to 30 minutes max. After that, I just crash. <laughs> oh my my, God, my, yeah, my conscience just shuts down after 30 wait, minutes. Like, wait, wait, what? Well, I think we need to talk but about I this. So, so, it, I get really, really <laughs> drowsy and sleepy after 30 minutes on the highway. You mean just like normally, not like a work thing, but let's say you're on, it's like it's Saturday and then you need to drive somewhere. Like you can't drive longer than 30 minutes. Yeah, I get drowsy. After 30 minutes, I need to basically stop, pull off, maybe take a short break, and then go back onto the whole road. Okay, remind me to never sit in a car with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll well, drive. Yeah. I'll drive. Yeah. Uh, it happens when I drive myself. Uh, if mm-hmm. I have someone to talk to, it happens less. Okay. It's so- it somehow brings stimulation thing. I think if my brain's not stimulated enough, it just goes to shutdown mode. Okay. Good to know. I'll yeah. drive... Next time we go anywhere. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, okay. Let's move on to your next topic. Uh, I think the next one is what keyboard and yeah. Okay. So this is definitely a thing where I know that you have a lot of experience in. Yes. Uh, to put it simply, I think I started the keyboard hobby before i started the fountain pen hobby well it, did you i mean you've had a fountain pen for a long time but i guess fountain, that's not really a hobby that was just a use yeah fountain mechanical pen was usage used back in elementary school but it was picked up as a hobby starting i was a college third or fourth grade okay um I started on getting mechanical pen, mechanical keyboards starting like first year college, I would say. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, to be fair, it wasn't even a hobby. It was also just a use case. I, I just want something better than the midbrain keyboard. Right. So that's when it started. Um, I, I have... remember a lot of people were looking for like the super clicky keyboards of like the IBM era of the 80s, right? That's kind of what everyone was looking for at the time. Yeah, um, that's the thing though. Back when they first started, I think overall the uh, keyboard community is way smaller than fountain pen communities. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, at least you can find like fountain pens and stuff still sell around in the in stationery stores. Like back then, it's still everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the old technology, so yeah. obviously, like people were still doing that thing. Keyboard, on the other hand, man, it was difficult to find a mechanical keyboard 10 or 12 yeah. years ago. Actually, yeah. no, more like 16 years ago. Yeah, that was, it was hard. 
you, you can't find them online. You cannot find them in stores. There's only like probably four online shops that used to sell mechanical keyboards readily available. Mm-hmm. And out of the four, two of them is always consistently out of stock. <laughs> so I remember. So, I mean, I guess you should be proud of this, Frank. Every single hobby that I mean, except for photography, most hobbies that. I kind of lightly dabble into. I have you to thank for making me spend a ton of money. Oh, um, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I remember around that time, right? Like kind of mid college, I, I saw you had a, a clicky mechanical keyboard, and so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll try to look for one. It was tough to look to find one, like to to even find a mechanical keyboard, and then to look for one that was backlit, near impossible. There was only like one or two brands that had it. Yeah, Back it then. was <laughs> it was very hard to do, but then uh, fast forward to now, like holy crap, is uh, I would say it's harder to find a keyboard that is not backlit compared to one that is. For a, <laughs> it is that's very true. <laughs> for like They're all backlit. I know. Oh my god, everything's RGB, RGB, RGB. It's like, dude, come on, man. I don't need that much light. <laughs> I mean, but, I still like that it's backlit, but. It's definitely like an eighty twenty for backlit to like non backlit. Yeah, yeah. So the more the more of a story is I start looking into keyboards because um, I realize I still need the F keys at home for gaming. I'll be honest, I I mainly just looking at it for gaming purposes because a lot of games still assume you have the F keys. Oh, the, uh, the, the, like the F1, F2, F3 keys? F1, F2, F3. At least all the way to F6, I would say. Okay. So you didn't have a keyboard with the F keys in it? No, I have the, the HHKB. Keys? Remember? HHKB, if anyone oh, doesn't understand. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. The happy hacking keyboard. Correct. So for most pe- listeners that's not sure what is going on, HHKB is a 60% keyboard. 60% means typically means just that there is only 60 keys or around 60 keys. So what, how do you get to 60 keys? You get rid of the F key row. You get rid of the uh, delete, insert, page up, page down, home, down. You get rid of the arrow keys and you get the number pads. Yep. This is really bare minimum. Of course, you can go lower. But uh, to me, that loses practicalness. Once you go lower than 60%, some people are happy with it. Some people is very prolific with it. I'm not, mm-hmm. especially when I game on it. I, I just can't do it. And now I realize it's just, yeah, I still need the F keys for gaming. So I'm looking into F key uh, keyboard gaming again. So what happens is... Uh, I kind of got one of my coworker into f- mechanical keyboard as well. Johnny? Uh, no, the Michael. And that mm-hmm. kid went like full fanatic for mechanical <laughs> keyboard. Um, so like he has all the recommendations available now. I, I'm sure I'm sure that guy dumped maybe like Oh, grand, if not more, in the keyboard in the Ooh. last half a year. Frank, um, I just want to tell you, you have this, um, you have a, you have a very strong superpower, which is like 
talking about a hobby and then the, then suddenly a person just spends a thousand dollars on that hobby like you have this knack for it and i see it happen a lot really <laughs> sometimes i sometimes i know it's like frank you're telling me something i need you to shut up before i spend a thousand dollars well most of the time i'm complaining about it <laughs> about the unavailable stuff but anyway so for this is so I basically started looking for keyboard again, and uh, this time I didn't look for like a normal one. I want to look for a more customizable version because I would like to keep the layout of the 60% keyboard I'm using. Mm-hmm. And just FYI, what I need to look for is it has the controls at where your capital, cap lock use generally is. Generally is. Mm-hmm. I want to have a backspace above the enter bar. I want to have a okay. delete right above the backspace. Okay. Okay. So very specific, but okay. Very specific, because honestly, I think that's uh, it works the most efficient for me, mm-hmm. in a sense. So very specific requirements, and uh, so most of the time you can only find that in custom keyboards. The custom keyboards I go. Um. So let me preface you with uh, with everybody with something. Um. Custom keyboard, it is. What's the best way for me to say it? Um, okay, let's make a comparison for my for mechanical <laughs> keyboards and fountain pens. For anyone watching this, um, your typical keyboard that comes with your Dell PC, like Dell, HP, whatever, the uh, five dollar, one dollar free, free, uh, free dollar keyboard is probably your big. Yo, your your big rollerball pen, basically, okay. Ballpoint, but yeah. Ballpoint, yeah. And then you have the slightly more expensive keyboard, maybe like a uh, keyboard that is uh, rubber dome, but quote unquote uh, advertised for gamers and stuff. I'd mm-hmm. say that would be uh, like a better gel point, ballpoint or gel pens, honestly, mm-hmm. like a smoother gel pen ballpoint. Yeah. And then you move up to the cheap, uh, the cheaper mechanical keyboard manufactured by most likely China and uh, some other countries. Um, these are not the uh, Cherry not, MX keys. Yeah, these not not brand. They're not branded. They are sometimes just the uh, random, random key or like really they, even their own brand sometimes that I can find. And uh, those are probably similar to, I would say, a uh, Lamy Safari, Pilot Metropolitan, of course, those charge cost like sixty bucks, seventy bucks. While Metropolitan costs like thirty bucks. So, like, just I would say actually, at most price point, keyboard costs about two times as much as a fountain pen in the same category. Right. Two to three times. Okay. Right. Yeah. So you have like a seventy, eighty dollar keyboard that is but of course there's more material right so in a sense it's yeah. it's, it's cheaper in terms of just look at pure material um so an entry level whatever your standard of an entry level product in the fountain pen world it's approximately 2x that for that same level in keyboards in keyboards yeah right and uh after that you just go into more like a uh uh i would say this level is where most people stops, and this also where mo- um, a lot of 
Don't depend people stops. It's like the sub one hundred dollar, or maybe right at the one hundred dollar range, one hundred fifty, one hundred twenty dollars. And uh, for mechanical keyboard, that's more like a known brand, but like a brand that is known for mechanical nowadays. Um, you can have any switches possible. A lot of times, it's actually hot swappable. Mm-hmm. This is something that was never existed back in the day. Hot swappable means that you can take out your individual key switch. And the switch oh, yeah. on your keyboard, you can take it out at will and swapping a new one if you just want to try out a different key, a different kind of switches. Yeah, that's something new that even I don't, I'm not really key, keyed in on, so to speak. Yeah, that is something that really become more popular in the last, like I would say the last two, three years. It is, it makes experiencing switches much, much easier. And because of that, it brought a big, big boom to switches. Okay, mm. and I think switches, in the best sense of a word, it is really similar to your ink and paper combo. Mm. So, like you know, like ink and paper determines how much feedback, how your paper feels, how your writing experience feels. A lot of times, mm-hmm. that is actually what is equivalent to ink and paper is your switches most of the time yeah yeah so you can swap out for today's standard like okay so there is two type of keyboard right there is hot swappable and there is soldered solder means that your switches is permanently stuck to it it's on it's on the board and you it's can't on the board. switch it yeah, out this is traditional basically solder is right. traditional is really and hustle is, of course, you need to. You can take it out, take it back in. You can just pop it in. You don't like it, take out the switch, put in another one. They typically have like a, they're, they're good about like 20 to 40 insertion before you wear it out. So you can mm-hmm. try quite a few per keyboard. And they're, those keyboards are not super expensive. I mean, like they generally cost about $150 to $200. The cheaper ones, maybe $100. Mm-hmm. So, like, those are actually a pretty good source for you to try out, like, different switches. And switches, of course, on just like we have Sailor, we have Platinum Ink, we have every other ink. We have switches made by the major brands, like mm, Cherry, of Cherry. course, the biggest one. Gatoron's becoming good. Kaylee, Kaliad. And you have like, some of the boutique brand. You also have a boutique ink, like, Sailor Specialty Ink. You have Batik brand. Um, Where does uh, Topper li- line in on this? Uh, Topri. Uh, Topri is like a. Uh, it is a hmm. niche brand. It is a niche brand. It is. <laughs> What's the best way for me to say it? I ask only because I have Topper keywords. Yes, I, I'm trying to think of a way to describe Topper keyboard. It is a aha. I have a I, okay. Remember, there is a very specialized fountain pen way back. I think I sent you a picture before. I don't even remember the brand anymore. I think it was Cross. It has a needle tip, and the needle tip of that fountain pen it is just a. Uh, it is just four holes. That releases ink and you write with it. Uh-huh. That is probably Toprit. Oh, so they're that specialized. They are. 
the hot topic of debate of whether, first of all, the one we just described, a lot of people is complaining that it may not be even considered a fountain pen, right? Right. Okay, so single satori. Some people try to say it's a mechanical keyboard as well, because, because it has a membrane. It has switch a membrane in it too, right? to it. Yes, but at the same time, it is way more complicated than a normal membrane. It is also more reliable, and so. It has a different type feeling, just like it has a different writing feeling on that one compared to the one ballpoint. Um, so, Popri is probably, I would say, the closest is to that specialized, no longer in production fountain pen. It is just a very, very niche stuff. I see. <laughs> yeah. So, among all those, you have a like keyboard up to maybe like I would say. 250-ish that is readily available for manufacturer. Actually, yeah, in fact, top rate is $300. Yeah. Yeah, so about a level. Yeah. Mine is about that that much money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's about that. <laughs> and above that level, it gets you customs. Right. And customs compared to the fountain pen world. It is more like pre-orders. I mean, there's pre-orders in fountain pen and there's Kickstarters, right? I mean, most people, mm-hmm. as we know, okay, I'll be completely honest with you. Half of the Kickstarter fountain pens are junk. I'm sorry, but half of the Kickstarter fountain pens are junk. I feel like you're too generous with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know there are well-known fountain pen maker that does Kickstarter from time to time. It just yes. they want like equipment upgrades. There, there's stuff they must try out, but they don't have the fun to do it. That's fine. I respect that. But there's a lot of very questionable Kickstarter fountain pen out there. There's a lot, and I yeah. I told you my first fountain pen was a Kickstarter fountain pen, and looking back on it, I was like, yeah, that thing was a sh- that was a shit pen. <laughs> yeah. So, um, compared to that. I can report that at least the mechanical keyboard in terms of quality is like people do it genuinely, genuinely wants to have a good product. But um, group by being canceled, the person who's original hosting the group by just disappeared out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It is not uncommon. I wouldn't say it's common as well because it's been a while since we heard those issues, but the risk is still there. Right for uh, mechanical keyboards on Kickstarter. Yes, not Kickstarter, group buys. Okay, like they are not even big enough to go on Kickstarters. Uh, you have Kickstarter keyboards, which a lot of them successful, mm-hmm. and then you have group buy keyboards, which is like boutique keyboard. That is limited to like 900 units per run. Mm. Sometimes 20 units, sometimes 100 units per run. And uh, those are the ones that compare to uh, fountain pens. I would say it is a much less enjoyable and much more waiting game. <laughs> right, because it takes a while. 
Yes, because Fountain Pen, I mean, look, Fountain Pen, you, you have all your pre-orders, which is fine. And honestly, all the pen company that does pre-orders, they're all pretty well-known companies. Mm-hmm. Right? They're not going anywhere. Like you, you, you pre-order a special edition sailor, you order a spe- special edition pilot. They're not going anywhere. The the product's probably already made. They're just not shipped out yet. Right. Um, but keep on the other hand, you just don't know. And uh, sometimes the project can take like up to a year, or sometimes they they may run like entire a year and a half overdue for all we know because mechanical keyboard has a lot more moving parts inside. Mm-hmm. So the project may fall through. And the wait time, yeah, on top of wait time, the cost is also significantly more. I mean, uh, for example, the uh, normal fountain pen that you nowadays you see is uh, what? Um, special edition $300, maybe $300, $400 most of the Something time. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Fountain pen. Depends on the uh, company too. Yeah. A mechanical keyboard actually, in fact, it's probably twice. So like typical a good mechanical keyboard, you can probably go around four to five hundred dollars for a pre-order. Or but it depends price. what you want to do, right? Like a mechanical keyboard, like if you just say you want one type of switch, you could just buy like a WASD keyboard and just swap the keys on that, right? Right. Um yes and no, because like a lot of the custom mechanical keyboard, you are looking for very specific quality in the keyboard some people look for sound like the the, the very specific sound they want to use mm-hmm. some people look for the various of the typing fields like for the one i have right now it is uh it was one of the biggest selling point was how bouncy it is <laughs> how cushiony it is so pretty much like the okay. entire it's, it's weird it's something called a gasket mount nowadays so basically the entire pcb is suspended in rubber gasket Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> so when you type, the gasket gives. Okay. And for the one I have, the entire PCB has flex cutouts. The oh, entire PCB flexes. Oh jeez. <laughs> so overall, so you're, you're, you're typing on a gold nib, is what you're telling me. Yes, in a sense, I'm typing on the gold nib because I'm typing <laughs> on a service that actually gives after the initial writing. Mm-hmm. Like the after the initial key impact. I would say that the entire keyboard can give for like the key travel itself is probably only like three millimeter, right? Mm-hmm. And the entire board can probably give another two millimeter or three millimeter if I press down hard enough. Mm. So in a sense, yes, I'm writing, I, I'm typing on a soft, flexible gold nib equivalent of mechanical keyboards. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, hey, look. Uh, and surprisingly, I think uh, one is a, a very modern digital input, and one of them is really old analog input. But surprisingly, they have a lot of, I would say, a lot of things in common. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a niche hobby, right? Like it's a niche hobby. Because do you need a fountain pen to write in a journal? No. Do you need a fancy keyboard to type on your computer? No. You can just get. It. You know any keyboard to type it but it's kind of just your own enjoyment of using this of the right? input device yeah right it's like people using better pencil professor uses a better chalk mm-hmm. uh, 
things like that. I mean, I think it's in human nature to try to look for things that are slightly better. I mean, of course, like, uh, you have my coworker, I just doesn't give a crap. But uh, <laughs> I think in some sense, like, I mean, but that guy's a car nut. So, I mean, at the same time, you can't really... Well, he's trying to disagree with it. I mean, I mean, I just look okay, at your car, man. So, every I think in terms of stuff, like just stuff in general, it's human nature to try to be better or have a better sensory experience on things that you actually care or enjoy. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. There, I would also argue that there is a point in which some people can overdo it and go too far into a niche. And they pay like you know, again a thousand dollars for like a, a, a very small incremental benefit, if any at all. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, there's always uh, it's always a point, right? I mean, I think for okay, so this is the interesting thing for mechanical keyboards. So far, I think the MSRP for all the equipments never really, they never really go to anything above five hundred dollars. Or five hundred, seven hundred dollars, maybe seven hundred dollars, maybe. So things kind of cap off at that yeah. price. There's a certain cap, unless you're looking for like a very, very, very specific custom build by one person. I think you can reach a thousand, but those are custom from Korea. Mm-hmm. And I think that site kind of fallen off recently, just due <laughs> to the amount of customs that's out there nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, a film event goes to like. Three thousand, four thousand dollar for those really special ones. Up to five thousand, ten thousand dollar for like the master or arts display one. So there's a certain uh, I think fountain pen in terms of maximum price, <laughs> it, it still beats the uh, keyboards. Right, but I mean, at some point you're gonna get some Urushi lacquered uh, keyboard key, and then individually those sell for like a like a hundred dollars for you know, one key you know someone actually did it I, I i guarantee someone did i am not surprised and that guy was trying to run group buys now mm-hmm. i hope he can do it for cheap i will report back if it ever happens <laughs> so we'll see about that um but yeah okay so I think there's one thing I really like about the fountain pen uh, community compared to the uh, keyboard is that? that there isn't a lot of scalpers in the fountain oh. pen community. That's good. Yeah. Well, keyboard gets oh, so like people like buying up a a release and then reselling it for more, right? Resell immediately. Like for example, the keyboard I'm using right now, it is. Uh, how much was it new? It was five hundred dollar new, mm-hmm. without the uh, stuff, without any of the, uh, without the switches and keycap. Um, it is currently going on market for a thousand four hundred dollars. Oh my goodness, that's yeah, three x basically. Yeah, so like it's it's it is a copy that's taking off, but the there's just a lot of scalpers around mechanical keyboard market and i'm not too sure i enjoying this aspect this aspect of the hobby like a lot of people seeing advantage of it um <laughs> i think it's the keycaps i mean um there is a very specific set of keypad i was interested in mm-hmm. it is about 300 dollars new and the going rate recently it is about 600 just for keycaps Whew. jeez so in terms of like 
uh, resale, the keyboard hobby can get very expensive. They can get very, very expensive if things are kept in mint conditions. Wow. Yeah, and uh, I mean, what for uh, Ocean? Let's say Ocean Swirl. The most you see is what times one point five, maybe. Well, you know, let's 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 look it up. Let me see. Uh, I see one for a thousand two hundred. Uh, uh, okay, never mind. <laughs> How much was it? Like five hundred bucks, right? It was three hundred. Oh, it was three hundred. It was three hundred. The guy, yeah, the guy at the fountain pen show was selling me for three hundred. Frank, we totally messed up. <laughs> it was three hundred. I was just looking because the only pen I ever bought on eBay was the um, limited edition Lamy All Star Copper Orange from 2015. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite Lamys because I really like the orange color. Um, I bought it in 2018, I believe, for around mm -hmm. $35 or $40. So not incredibly a lot, right? Like it's a little bit above MSRP, but not horribly out of MSRP. It's now 100 bucks. Okay, so I guess it is just as bad. <laughs> but but yeah, but understand that like we're talking about pens that are now seven years old, five years old now. Yeah, five years out of the production. Right. So I mean, your keyboard you recently bought—that's very different. Yeah, uh, mine's very recently bought, and it was just yeah, basically the, it, yeah. it 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 is just really turning around and flipped. That's it. And is your keyboard a limited edition or like uh, limited? Yeah, this is a special edition. Okay. Well, I mean, that's what happens with limited editions. And especially over well, time, they just get more expensive. Yeah, this is, well, this is all grouped by. So it's just specialty small batch runs. I think there's only like 500 total of these keyboards. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. that's, 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 that's why, right? Like that's how, why it's that expensive. Yeah, but it, you have like group buys, other group buys everywhere. So, I mean... Specific boards get pretty pricey really quick for some reason. So that's uh, I I don't know because there's obviously some people just buy it for reselling it, and those are the I just I really don't like to support those kind of businesses. Those are kind of refrain from buying some of the recent keycaps. I mean, I understand that some people is not meant to scalp; they just happen to need money, and they look if you see your stuff can be sold for two times the original price and you're sure money, of course you're going to take the opportunity to do it. I was thinking, if I put a Pelican Swirl and I now see that I can sell it for about $2,000. Would you sell it? I mean, I might. You might, huh? I don't know. I don't know. Let me... I'd have to like look through my back catalog of pens and I'm like, how much are people actually selling this for? I don't have many of the box, <laughs> my pen boxes anymore. I only have some of them. Nah, I probably wouldn't sell. I don't know. Um, to me, I don't think I will sell. To be honest with you, um, mm -hmm. well, it's easier for me to say this because I kind of been through it already. I mean, the keyboard sense situation. I have a knife that's also like two to three times the price right now for the North community version of price. Mm -hmm. Even Conan, like the minimalist cup Conan, for a while was going higher than the asking price. Oh wow, jeez! Because the manufacturer stopped. Uh, producing for a long time so mm -hmm. 
I mean, I, I, I think we in a hobby collection, in a sense, sometimes it's, it's more of a collection than actually usage for some people, I would say. Definitely. Um, I understand that price progresses naturally. Yeah, as things gets, uh, it becomes like a rare edition. Yeah, but I just really, I, I cannot support the action of buying it just because you want to flip it, sell it immediately afterwards. Definitely. Yeah. Because so. uh, some people actually want the pen. Like you and I both want the Ocean Swirl pen, but like, if people just bought it to sell it, that really kind of sucks. Yeah, so I mean, I, I mean, at the same time, my other coworker keep asking, "Can he get on the hobbies? Can they? Can he buy it?" Because he is, he is completely just in it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that other guy just kind of stopped talking to him at all. Yeah, but, mm. yeah, I mean, it's different hobbies, different communities overall. I would say, uh, in terms of money to throw around, mechanical keyboard hobby. Mechanical keyboard hobby has a lot of young tech people. Which they have some money to throw around. Which they have... I, I wouldn't even say some money. I would say <laughs> a lot of money to throw around. Yeah. I, I, I know some people who have... like Because some people have multiple keyboards and they don't even have multiple computers they just have multiple keyboards yeah i mean i want some people that have multiple pens no no what i'm talking about is that's the most crazy thing i've seen okay so so the keyboard set was 300 dollars originally mm -hmm. it was during the pg&e blackout of northern california so you know they probably live in the that, that blackout area is specifically san francisco area so you know right. they're probably in tech the most crazy deal I saw was someone posted it and said, hey, look, look at my new keyboard. Okay. Next comment on Reddit. $2,000, take it or leave it. Wow. <laughs> so it's like offered six times immediately. And then within like four hours... The same guy posts a different pictures with a different keycap and his own artisan key. And say, hey, look what I just got. Wow. So some people has like literally, what, two, two grand just throw around immediately on basically impulse purchases. All right. I mean, some people, especially up there, they have tons of uh, expendable money. Yeah, so you have more, way more expensive money than the other one. So I think they are the group of, a, a lot of another group of uh, players that uh, tend to drive out the used market or the uh, secondary market of keyboards quite a bit, to be honest with you. So there's more money flowing in the keyboard market than the uh, fountain pen market, for sure. The fountain, the fountain pen market is like old stocks while the keyboard market is uh <laughs> cryptocurrency <laughs> in a sense yeah uh it's, it's pretty much old money versus new money it's weird yeah. but uh i mean it very is it very much is but yeah yeah so i so at the same time um the debate of uh whether uh whether something is suitable for you and something feels better like 
it is interesting because the fountain pen community, I was frankly say they are much more encouraging and much、mm-hmm. more open to personalizations than the mechanical keyboard community overall. And、yeah. uh, while both are exciting and interesting, I would say the fountain pen community is genuinely more accepting, to be honest. So. I mean, that's what I've seen.、Um, I, I've, I don't do keyboarding much. I just buy a set from some manufacturer and I just keep it the way it, it, it is stock. But、um, <laughs> my experience has always been that like, fountain, people in the fountain pen community are always ready to talk about, like, oh, what ink are you using? What pen are you using? And what do you do? Where do they do that? And keyboard is much more,、um, I don't know, different. I, I wouldn't say they are, they meant ill. But I would say the, the people in the keyboard community h a s a much stronger、uh, movable opinion <laughs> than、mm-hmm. the fountain pen community. Fountain community most likely because like, writing is a very, very personalized activity. You could, the word is toxic. I think it's toxic. There's a little more of toxic、uh, air in the keyboard than it is fountain pen community, possibly.、Mm. If you really put it that way, I wouldn't even call it toxic. I would just say they are more aggressive. <laughs> However, you want to put it. Yeah, I would say that、uh, because toxic typically means they mean ill.、Um, I don't think they mean、That's、ill. That's fair. They, they, they're just more opinionated in a sense.、Mm-hmm. Like everyone, everyone thinks they have certain things that's the best to their preferences. But、uh, and so,、uh, then the, the issue just sometimes they put each other down. So,、um, just like this is just some general observation from two different communities. But、uh, at the other hand, look, I am currently looking into two different group buys of keycaps. <laughs> um, one, <laughs> so when it's already the group buy already ended, I'm waiting for the I'm waiting for the Extra sets to become the market and to try to buy them as soon as possible, or else I cannot get the scalper price. uh Yeah. Yeah. So that's the issue. And I have、mm-hmm. another set that is still in the work that I have no idea when the maker decided to do the group buy. And to my understanding, currently the、uh, keyboard manufacturer company is at least nine months out、mm. from the time you place order to the time that keycaps ship out. So. I think、uh, a Kindle keyboard is a very much a weight heavy hobby <laughs> in, compared to fountain pens. Because fountain、yeah. pen, when everything is released, if they're, they're ready to ship, but、uh, right. they're almost ready to ship. But a Kindle keyboard, a lot of times, is just computer renders.、Mm-hmm. And you just have to base your purchases off of that. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's possible that like, if you wait a couple years, like, the situation will fix itself, right? Yeah. I think at a certain point, the、uh, supply manufacturing stuff will probably reach equilibrium compared to the amount of enthusiasm out there.、Mm-hmm. So hopefully,、um, they will more equalized compared to now. And、uh, hopefully,、uh, you will have a much more healthy relationship between、uh, buying and selling for use markets or for、uh, specialized fountain pen,、uh, mechanical keyboards overall. 
Uh, just I, honestly, I would much prefer to be shopping in the U.S. market of a fountain pen than a keyboard. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. All right then. Yeah. Interesting dive into the mechanical keyboard world. Yeah, it is just my uh, sunrent observation regards to the uh, two different hobbies, and, I, and then... it is much more similar and connected than uh, the mo- than I originally than I originally anticipated. To be honest, and mm-hmm. uh, I think at the end of it, it's just is a collection hobby. Is the the way we behave is just down to human nature. Yeah. It's a very human, human issue of collecting and like wanting to f- mix uh, it, t- like specially tailored experience to what your tastes are. Correct. So, I mean, I, I, to some extent, I think that's also extent to life and such as well. So, yep. All right. I guess I guess we wrap it up for the day and. Uh, yeah. All right. We'll, t- uh, we'll talk about the connections to fountain pens and other different hobbies next time, maybe. Who knows? Nice. <laughs> uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. All right. I will talk to you next time, Collins. All right. See you, man.